Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Terbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, Today, we are heading to the Disputed Lands to speak with Crow Foods' daughter. This is something special. I'm excited for this. I've been talking about it for a couple weeks. Uh, So we've brought Amanda on. Amanda, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um... My name is Amanda. I go by Crowfood's daughter, and I do have a YouTube channel. It's called The Disputed Lands, um, where I talk about a lot of things, mostly ironborn things. So uh, we are on a good topic today. Um, mm. And thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that. The, the Disputed Lands. I was like, so I, I was talking to Matt before. I was like, I got to go look up again. Like, isn't the Disputed Lands somewhere in Essos there? And then I was trying to put together, you know, Crow Foods' daughter. And I was just like, this is going to be fantastic because I feel like you're just well-versed in the series. Uh, you have so much knowledge. And I know our listeners, and Matt, this, this, this is the truth. The Ironborn the- are not my favorite topic. I don't <laughs> well know a lot about them. Um, you know, so we brought in an expert. Okay. We did. And let me just say here really quick, because people always criticize us when we talk about the iron board. So, uh, you know, Lady Amanda, we do, um, we did, uh, we do, we do chapter by chapter. And then we, so, and so we did the world of ice and fire. We did the whole thing and we got to the, we got to the part where they're talking about all the different regions and we got, so we get to the iron islands and we're like, okay, yeah, or whatever. They're kind of cool. And then like, we start going through, we're like, okay, actually, you know, this is kind of cool. And so then ever since then, people like criticizes like you guys just like hate the iron board you hate the iron board and so we're like we don't hate them it's not true they're just yeah. it's 
just that, you know, where we're, where we're at right now in A Clash of Kings, you don't really talk about him a lot. And so it's like, so now we've brought somebody on who is an, an ironborn expert. Okay. So let's, you know, let's, let's bury that, that hatchet that people, yeah. have, you know, <laughs> jokingly have against us. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? Like, people not liking the Ironborn is actually a pretty common thing because, uh, you know, I mean, Euron's kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and actually, Victorian's kind of dumb. And Euron's uh, evil. Um, right. Theon, at least at the beginning of the books, he's kind of a dick, prior to the pun. You know, there's, there's not a lot to like about them, at least, at least initially in the beginning, especially when, you know, a clash of Kings, you know, is happening. Absolutely. Uh, but one of the things that I just absolutely love is like their history, uh, their culture, their religion. They're just so much different than the other um, areas and the other people of Westeros. So I just find the, the uniqueness of them um, just so appealing. And I just want to know more, you know, like, why are they drowning people? Um, you know, what is the drowned God? You know, yeah. it, it, I just, I find all those things incredibly interesting. So, um, so that's, that's what, where my, my interest actually lies is just all those, those things that makes them so unique. Yeah. And I was happy to hear that you, to say that i mean i get that like that they're not as popular but yet they are intriguing and and why why are they so intriguing and why are they so kind of like you have to dig a little deeper and on the surface if you just hit the ironborn you just go okay whatever i mean and and you know it takes a while too in the series as as matt and i are finding out to really get in there and and understand them and know them so early on in our reread we've been kind of like They've, it's our discussion and even the ravens that we've gotten from some of our listeners don't really have a whole lot to do with uh, Theon, Euron, and so on. Now here recently they have been just because people are looking at winds of winter and predictions and where could this go, what's happening outside of Old Town. And so that has um, piqued our interest and we've done a little bit more research and want to talk about that much later in the show. But yeah, it's, it's uh, nice to hear, I guess, that other, other groups uh, of people think uh, inside the fandom that the Ironborn aren't as... Yeah, they're not the most popular. I mean, they're not the Starks. They're not the Targaryens. <laughs> yeah. I, I like them. And, um, you know, for, you know, just for um, how different and how unique and how, like, mysterious their their different practices and their history is. Yeah. So I just yeah. have to know more. Cool. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as every time as and I start talking about them, we start talking about, you know, the Seastone Chair and what's the what's the deal? Behind I have it. a video about like, that. Yes, yeah. you do. See, there we go. Yeah. Go click on it and watch that video. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, I want to eventually I'm going to ask you, we're going to get to like how you got into uh, Song of Ice and Fire and stuff. But I wanted to mention too, um, your YouTube channel. I talked to you before we started the Disputed Lands. I've seen four, started a fifth video uh, of, of your videos. And I've seen the Azora High Prophecy, which is pretty good. Uh, the Power of King's Blood, which is I, I, like all of them are fantastic and they're great. The one that you just mentioned to me um, about uh, the Grey King, mm -hmm. that looks that's my next that's I got that queued up. That is what I'm going into next. I've seen some of the Ironborn myth and legend because I was trying to kind of educate myself on the Ironborn a bit more. Um, but I, 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 I've got that one uh, ready to go. You were you were kind of teasing us with information as to what's in it. And it looks like it is epic. And you said you were proud of it. Your videos, every single one I've seen, super well done. 
really well edited and very they're packed packed with information i just i love it it's so fantastic well thank you yeah um i actually take a lot of you know pride in in researching it's i think it's fun doing the research because I'm, yeah. I'm a big nerd um and so I will probably spend, you know, weeks, uh, you know, just researching if I have an idea and make sure that there's like absolutely no stone left unturned. Um, sometimes my videos, because of that, will get really long because I keep finding more and more pertinent information. So right now I'm writing a video on the Macemakers of Lorath, actually. I don't know if you're familiar with, with the Macemakers of Lorath in the World Book. No. Uh -uh. Um, so d are you familiar with the base of the Hightower in Old Town? Uh, just that it, like, that has that suspicious like the stone, right? Are you talking about that? Or are you talking about? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so there is actually a fused stone fortress right. that is um, in the likeness of a maze or a labyrinth at the base of the high tower. And uh, there is this ancient, mysterious and um, extinct race called the maze makers. They, that's what, what they call them because they actually don't know who they are. They so they just refer to them by the, the structures that they built, and uh, they also left some very very large bones so big that they believe that they could have been um, like giant and human half breeds, which is also like incredibly intriguing. Um, and so some maesters have postulated that the maze makers may have had something to do with. Um, the base of the high tower in Old Town, mm. and um, now we know from a lot of the fan theories that that the base of the high tower is probably the product of the Great Empire of the Dawn, which is yeah. another very ancient, uh, you know, people from the Dawn Age. But uh, just even that mention has left the fandom incredibly enthralled and in wanting to know more about these mysterious and vanished maze, maze makers. So. I uh, have been researching and writing, and I am now on page twenty. What? Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh wow! Just it. See, to me, that's wild. So, like, I, I, this is why, um, Sir Matt and I have great, uh, like, a great appreciation for people who write up Reddit theories, who do YouTube creation, um, you know, videos like, like exactly what you do on uh, Disputed Lands. I mean, because it's like there's. Um, there's something to that, like like you just took basically that like, and I just looked them up. I mean, the, like the the maze makers, and said, where can I go with this? That's intriguing. It's interesting. How is it connected? Are there other references? I'm sure. And you're just and you've gotten 20 pages worth. That to me is is something else. I I've always been really impressed by that. And also to kind of look for in the series, yet the research has to be insane because you have to go through and kind of find where like for uh the oily black stone right like where mm -hmm. else is, where are the, what are the regions is it is it mentioned in um how was it connected back uh to that ancient empire and like that's a lot i think that is, it's, it's a lot i yes. think it's you see it it's the seastone chair the high tower and then it's in the walls of karth is the other place we we see it so um, so there, there is a bit of a differentiation between the oily black stone and the fused black stone. Yeah. So the oily black stone is um, a consistency that's somewhat oily and it's also hewn. So, um, so like blocks or bricks. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the fused black stone is um, not described as oily and it's also seamless right. and it does, it's not hewn. 
Um, it's basically the product of the dragon lords. So um, it's fused with dragon fire. Um, the only places that you're going to find the fused stone are going to be the base of the high tower, the five forts over in the great empire of the dawn, mm -hmm. um, dragon stone, yeah. Uh, and then also some of the free cities of Valeria, Valeria like Volantis and um, Valeria proper. So, and the Valerian dragon roads. So those are gonna be where you're gonna find your fused uh, black stone. Now the oily black stone is a little bit different. It, it, it is hewn, um, it's very mysterious and it's believed to have some very malign qualities to it. So over in Yin, it said that which is um, a structure that is built entirely of black stone. Uh, it said that the uh, the jungle will not touch it. Nothing, you know, the jungle will not grow near it. And there's also been some mysterious disappearances related to Yin, and it just has a very foul reputation. And the people that have tried to settle the area have not been able to because of like disease and other things. So, um, so there's that. Then there's also a shy. A shy is also built entirely of the oily black stone. And Ashai is very much the same thing. It said that there are no children in Ashai. Um, nothing grows in Ashai. Um, there's, it's just very associated with like magic and uh, just a lot of different malign qualities to it. The water is undrinkable there. So it's believed that the oily black stone almost permeates some sort of like malign magical quality to it that allows things to become sick uh, in that respect. So you have it over in Yin, Ashai. You also have the sea stone chair, which is the um, seat of the ironborn. You also have um, on the Isle of, is it the Isle of Toads? There is, I believe it's the Isle of Toads. Um, there is an island um, in the summer sea that has a um, oily black stone uh, statue. Um, it's very Lovecraftian in in nature. But I you think you're right. Yeah, the Isle, the Isle of Isle of Toads. Yeah. Yeah, Isle of Toads. There you go. Hmm. Yeah. So so those are going to be your main oily black stone um, areas, and I may have missed one, or but there's not a whole lot. So the ones that you're going to find are mostly gonna be um, on Essos, the, the Yin, Isle of Toads, uh, and also um, Ashai. So uh, question about that, you know, do is it believed then that the few stone, as you said, kind of ties back, um, you know, to the Empire of the Dawn, right? And then, so the oily black stone, is that then, is that like a separate, um, is that even older or like, is it, what, so what are it, the thoughts it, on that? So it's thought to be, um, it, it's hard to date, first of all, those things, but we do know the date of when the great empire, or excuse me, first of all, um, when Valeria first rose and that was about 5,000 years ago. So like Dragonstone, the Valerian dragon roads, um, Dragonstone, Valerian dragon roads, and like Volantis are, are all going to be uh, 5,000 years or younger. Yeah. Now the Great Empire of the Dawn is actually considered like a Dawn Age society. So mm -hmm. the, the uh, structures associated with the Great Empire of the Dawn could be much, much older. Um, 
from my Origin of Dragons videos, I do believe that the um, uh, Great Empire's ability to um, control dragons was actually pretty late in the Great Empire, so probably right before their fall. Um, but we we don't have an exact date on yeah. the, the view stone fortress at the bottom of the battle aisle and also the, <clears throat> the five forts. Gotcha. So, but it's still kind of believed that, that those are probably not Valyrian. I mean, it's, it's, it's tied back something to something different. Dawn yeah, the, Age two, kind of, mm -hmm, yeah. the two structures. Now it's, it's actually stated that the um, Citadel, which is the, uh, the Five Forts was built by, I believe it was the Opal Emperor mm -hmm. from the Great Empire of the Dawn. So we do have at least one specific emperor dynasty kind of associated with the yeah, building of with that structure. Uh, the um, base of the Hightower in Old Town, it's kind of up in the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, really, that's really neat. So I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, the, the Oily Stone, though, that's where I get kind of, um, and I know a lot of times people lump those together, and they are they are separate things. Is it um, is it tied to any one you know group though, or is just not okay. known really? It's kind of a mystery. It's well, it it is mysterious. Um, we do have <clears throat> two cities because Yin is actually considered a city uh, built entirely of the stuff. And in my Origin of Dragons videos, I, I do um, show how the two cities may, in fact, actually be linked and may be associated with the Great Empire as well. Um, so it's, it's oh, actually hard to date when those um, areas were built. We just know that the uh, Great Empire was more of a Dawn Age type of a civilization and fell right before the end of the Long Night. Okay. So yeah. uh, it's it's pretty wide open. Um, we and we have no information about the the uh, statue on the Isle of Toads. And as far as the sea stone chair goes, the sea stone chair is very very mysterious because legend says that the first men just found it on the shore right. one day, and uh, you know nobody knows where yeah. it came from. Nobody knows you know anything regarding that other than. It it was just there. And so. see, I, what, what I thought, and I don't know, this, I, I, we also, uh, by the way, entertain all sorts of thoughts and theories on here. Like not yeah. anyone can say anything they want on this podcast. We, we said that, and oftentimes it's us who are bringing up some pretty crazy uh, rabbit hole ideas. But the Seastone Chair, you know, there's other places, as you say, there's cities, they're pretty, you can't really, like that's block that is there. It's been there. It's massive um, statues and so on. But like to have a chair, that seems like something you could move, you know, or that could be taken from one place to another. And so I thought maybe, and also with the whole idea that, you know, the, the Ironborn are raiding, taking, stealing and stuff, you know, and then this random, you know, chair is there. It's just kind of, it's a mystery. It's, it's really bizarre uh, that it's there. So, well, you'll have to watch my video. It, the video is called um, Shade of the Evening and the Oily Black Stone. And uh, okay. what I do is I, um, postulate because we are told by House Blackwood, um, notice the play on words there is uh -huh. Blackwood, uh, that where what's mm -hmm. never rot, they simply turn to stone. And uh, if you read the world book, you're going to find out that um, 
if you read the world book, you're going to find out that there was an associate presence of children in the forest in the ancient past. Uh, there isn't any more because they were extinguished by the Ibanese, but they had this uh, kingdom called the Kingdom of the Ifequevron, and the Ifequevron are very much analogs to the shoulder of the forest. Said that there were carved trees in their woods. They were called a, sh a mm -hmm. small, shy, diminutive uh, forest folk, and uh, um, and they also were were called woods walkers. And uh, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, things that suggest that they're, they were like an associate equivalent of the children of the forest, especially with those carved trees in their forests. Yeah. So um, now we don't see weirwoods in Iso Stewie. Yeah, right. No, no, we don't. We don't see any weirwoods in Isos, but we do have something very, very, very similar. We have the shade of the evening tree and the shade of the evening tree has a lot of similarities to the weirwood trees. Um, they're able to extend life. They're magical trees. They give visions. Um, they do just about everything that a werewood does. The only difference is, is the color. So uh, werewoods are white and red. Shade of the evening is um, black with blue leaves. So it has blackwood. So, um, and so like I said, it does have blackwood. And so if the shade of the evening tree was this, the, the associate version um, that, the, that the children used over there, if that's what they used, then it's kind of like a cousin almost or some sort of relation to that weirwood tree. Uh, and if the white stuff petrifies, then the black stuff does too. Yeah. Which means that um, you would have something very, very similar. So when you see Euron offering that shade of the evening drink, it's described as oily. Yeah. Um, a shy is said to drink the light. And when uh, Danny goes over to the house Let's of the undying. <laughs> right. <laughs> when the Danny warlocks. goes over to the house of the undying and it's yeah. um, surrounded by shade of the evening trees, yes. they say, look how it drinks the light. Uh, there's right. all these different references. And uh, what the, the very, very cool thing is, is that um, at one point, a, a, a shy is now blighted, um, if you can take a look at a map. Yeah. But uh, you can tell that it was once a fertile and forested crescent from the Basilisk Isles all the way to, you know, Olthos and Ashai. So um, it was likely they had a large amount of trees in the area at one time. And the Blackstone has been a huge mystery because nobody knows where it came from. And Ashai is said to be incredibly huge. It's bigger than um, like Volantis, Karth, and King's Landing combined. Mm -hmm. But nobody knows where the stone came from. You would, you would think that there would be some evidence of that much abundance of stone being quarried, but it's just, it's almost like it appeared. Mm. So, um, so there, there've been a lot of theories, but I do believe that the, uh, nobody knows where it came from because it was actually more of a renewable resource. Wow. Respect. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. And actually as, because we were reading today, I, I, I decided, and what we were reading the Winds of Winter, the, the Euron um, chapter, right? Um, and I was thinking about what the Shade of the Evening kind of does, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking back to like other liquids or things that we drink that might like open your eye or might like, you know, cause you to kind of see a little further or, you know, see things or whatever. Um, Again, I am not, uh, I don't know if I can articulate it as well, but like, you know, Brand the weirwood, you know, 
drink or paste or, or whatever it is. And you just made a connection between the weirwood tree, you know, and this tree. And then that both of those drinks can do something to where they're almost like allowing you to, to extend your, your sight or give you visions or, or whatever. That's fascinating. Absolutely. Right. And Euron is said to have dreams of flying when he was a boy. Yeah. Kind of so sounds pretty similar to another boy who dreamt he could fly. Yes. Um, Brown. Yeah. So. And he's also, and yeah, and he's also the crow's eyes. Yeah. One of the things we talk, we, we I think one of the areas we focus on a lot is like Blood Raven, Bran, uh, you know, the, the three eyed crow. Is the three eyed crow actually a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it actually, you know, it's going to be. We because uh, we compare things to the show a lot because I think a lot of a lot of our our listeners were people who watched the seasons uh, and then came over to us uh, to after after the show ended to start because they're getting into the books kind of for the for the first time. Um, but now, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this thinking and kind of remembering, yeah, as you're saying, the, the shade of the evening. And I like that connection to the weirwoods, right? Because, it's, you know, the warlocks drink it and they say, well, that's what turns their lips blue. And mm -hmm. I'm just thinking of the connection to the weirwoods and the others. And, you know, the their when they when they you know, kind of take over somebody, well, their eyes turn blue and we we associate the color of blue eyes and, and, and you know, things like that with. Uh, with the others and so now I'm just now I'm, I'm going to be diving down a deep rabbit hole of you know are these things connected uh, like oh do it I, I love yeah. rabbit holes <laughs> mm, that is so cool um, so uh, let's let's do something real quick I just want to back up because first of all right off the gate uh, in the first 20 minutes if you haven't figured out that we brought an expert on uh, y you know it's, it's let it be known uh, that was I love that you're only teasing us with like, and I know because I've seen some of your videos that they are jam packed with that type of research information. So folks have got to go, you know, check that out. I'll make sure that there are links in our description and stuff. But like, let me just back up a second. We're going to dive right back into this. Um, how did you get involved in all this? Like, how did you start? Like, when did you start uh, reading the series? All that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, that was a trip right there. I'm, I'm still like, you know, reeling from some of the stuff you just told us. Oh, so I. Okay, it was around 2012. Um, I was actually uh, maybe as early, like early 2013, but um, I was actually, I had just started watching the show and I had stumbled upon theories. And it was um, from this blog site called Winterfell Hughes Floss, which is a very, very like OG, um, uh, and very detailed uh, the theory site that is, is just from one person. I think their name is Bran Vros. Okay. And they just, I, I was just like so taken aback by how much um, more to the world, to that world that there really was, because I was just, you know, wondering, you know, is what's going to happen with Jon Snow, you know, in the next yeah. season or this and that. And um, I just, you know, it completely opened my eyes and it really made me love theories and, and um, trying to understand the series on a much, much deeper level. And so um, I ended up reading the books and I found myself in the forums talking to people. And then I started having my own theories and I uh, started writing my own theories in the forums and, you know, pretty soon. And by the way, if, if you've never written a theory before, your first one's going to suck. There's a learning curve to it usually. Um, mine did so if if you're for you know you you try your hand on it and it doesn't work 
um, you know, revise, keep looking at it, keep researching, and uh, you, you know, you'll kind of figure out your voice and, and you know, um, how to convey what you have in your head um, to, to the people around you. But, um, but yeah, I just started there. And then the next thing, you know, I, I was on Twitter. Um, I had some mutual friends that were also on Twitter and they were on YouTube. And by the end of 2017, um, I had one of my theories on Reddit uh, on the the uh, Song of Ice and Fire um, sub forum that one of my theories was nominated for Post of the Year, and it didn't win, but it made me really really confident in my ability to actually, you know, write, and it gave me enough confidence to actually um, make my first video, and that was my first video was the one mm. that was nominated for Post of the Year, and that would be my Shade of the Evening and the Oily Blackstone video. Wow. So. That's awesome. wow. That is that is really cool. Yeah, because I I just think it's it's super uh, interesting. Well, and actually on that, I mean, I, I started to write a theory uh, once upon a time. And, and, and while you're doing your research, I, I come across a so spake Martin where he basically says, uh, no, uh, Rainey's Targaryen uh, li little girl was actually killed. And I was I went down this whole rabbit hole of trying to figure out who she was, this whole thing. And I'm like, he stopped me dead in my tracks. But it was fun along the way to kind of like speculate as to like, you know, who um, Sorella Sand was and, and Alaris, the whole thing, and, and try to figure figure that out. And it's just a, a good learning experience, and it's fun to fun to try it. Uh, but it's way more difficult than I think a lot of people realize, for sure. So, Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. And um, sometimes things will disappoint you because um, I've done research before thinking that um, I had something. And uh, the more research I did, the more that I realized that, I didn't uh, and that there's also been times when I thought that I had this new and innovative concept and uh, I, I checked things out and it turned out that somebody had already thought of that theory before me and uh, when I read their theory I realized they did it they probably had written it a lot better than I would have as well so that was um, something too but uh, anyway it, it's just a great experience and it's a really awesome way to uh, interact with people that also want to talk about the things that you want to talk about and, um, it, you know, if, if you're interested in it, it's a great place to start in the fandom. Um, you know, it's, it's where myself and a lot of other people um, started and it can get your ideas out there. You can also bounce ideas off of people and kind of work together yeah. and try and figure things out. So. That's awesome. What, what is the site? Uh, are, which one are you on that where you're a moderator? You moderate so, on... Uh... So yeah, I, I do moderate on the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, and um, that's that's where um, you know I I can be found at around two o'clock in the morning if you um, if you're being naughty. <laughs> so um, I moderate around those times, but um, yeah, I, I do that for the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, and uh, I, I also when I started out in the fandom would go on the Westeros.org as well. Yeah. Both of those are great. Those are awesome. We've we've done a lot. We've come across a lot of really uh, good stuff um, from there. We've had listeners who have sent us stuff, or then, you know, have tried to add on to what other people have said, and it's 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 great. I learn so much every yeah. time I, I venture in there. It's it's great. So, um, all right, well, let's see here. Let's kind of uh, dive back in. Just wanted to do a quick little uh, chat about your origins and how you got into it and all that good stuff. Now, 
back into the thick of this. Well, actually, when you came up with your, your name, uh, right, so to come up with uh, Crow, Crow Foods Daughter, right, what, what caused you to kind of, uh, you know, go with that or, um, or, even, or even the Disputed Lands? Like what, like? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So um, when you go into the forums, you kind of have to have like a username and you can have um, just about any type of username you want. Uh, but my first go at it and my first try at entering in a username, it was already taken. And I realized uh, that I, I soon realized I had to get a little bit more creative. And so um, I there's this just really obscure th throwaway line about um, Crow Food Umber mm -hmm. and his daughter being abducted. Right. And she's never named. She never has a name. She's just, you know, mentioned to be Crow Food's daughter. Yeah. So um, I do like the theme of the abducted woman in A Song of Ice and Fire. It's actually kind of thematic throughout the series. You know, if you steal a woman, you know, you, it, with the wildlings, you know, you marry her. Yeah. There's also a similar type of practice with the ironborn, with thraldom and salt wives. Mm -hmm. um, you just you just see this um, kind of uh, abducted woman theme being played out again and again. And I actually have a video where I talk about this theme, but I do like it. And so uh, she is an abducted woman and she's also nameless. And I knew nobody else would have her name. So <laughs> that was mine. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. I actually was like, I was like, man, because I've I've uh, I've looked into uh, crow food quite a bit uh, recently. And just I was like, wow. And, and so when I, I came across you, I was like, wait a second. Does he have a, you know, I went and looked like a daughter and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, there is that line. Uh, and you're like, Just who, who is one that? Little line. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. All right, cool. Um, all right. Well, I think today, one of the big topics, we wanted to kind of do some winds of winter, just thoughts, uh, speculation, theories. Uh, I, I, I read it a while back. Um, what is, is it? Is it actually called the Forsaken or is it called? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it just is it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. OK. OK. Um, this chapter, this you're on Greyjoy. Um, well, yeah, it's yeah, I mean, it's 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 Aaron Dampere, right? That it's, it's his Aaron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His perspective uh, point of view. But, you know, we've got this this whole bit about uh, you're on and it is dark. I mean, I I. Sir Matt saw me earlier. I was doing a reread of it just to kind of get fresh on it uh, as we went into this. And I stood up and walked away. I was like, wow. I was like, that is one of the more darker things that I've, that I've read. And I was just like, this is, what is going on here, George? What, what, do you, what, are you, what are you up to? I mean, this guy is not a good guy. And um, he's a scary dude. You know, he just, he, he worries me. And I'm worried for Old Town. I'm worried for uh, the people there. I don't know what's, what's going to happen. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I think it's he's he's fascinating. We have listeners who have uh, written in thoughts and theories about what they think is going to happen with with Euron and uh, Aaron and you know, priest blood, Piat Pre, the whole thing. So, what, what's your initial when you? I guess when you first read that chapter, um, what were your thoughts initially coming out? So initially, I loved that chapter it is spooky it's um you know the depravity of it it's just i i love it for you know almost every single bit of it um of course i do like the, the mentions of the shade of the evening drink um and it, it's just really really interesting so um 
especially Aaron's visions, because, you know, he sees like the, the, the long ships of the ironborn adrift and burning on a boiling blood red sea. He sees all these very, um, really uh, uh, descriptive and mysterious um, visions. Like he, she sees uh, Euron with all these gods impaled on the Iron Throne. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's a, a woman with pale fire for her, you know, with her hands. Um, and everybody wants to know who that woman with the pale fire is. He sees Euron and he's no longer human. He's more like uh, the this mixture of, of um, like a, a squid-like person. It's just all these incredible visions. And then at the very end, um, he's been collecting priests and he's, they're now tying them to the prow of the ship and they're all about to be sacrificed. I mean, like yeah. you can't get better than that. It's like, you, you can't <laughs> yeah. get uh, like, you know, a more suspenseful end of a chapter, you know, like you have to know what's going to happen next. So right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just bizarre. I kept thinking, man, this is bad. And then uh, it does a great job of also telling us where Dan Perrick was before and what happened right afterwards. Because I was trying to think to myself, like, oh, where, what was the last time, you know, King's Moot, what happened? You know, wh where do we go from there? And the chapter does a good job of kind of just brushing up on that real quick and taking us, you know, right through him being kidnapped and, and, and taken by the mutes. And I don't know. It's just to, to see these guys who were in such position of power uh, be brought this low and they're the ones who were revered and they had people around them who were, I mean, not, again, they're, they're priests, right? But, and, and they're supposed to be this in-between between God and these, these men. But they also had men around them who almost lifted them up as if they were not gods, but that they were important. And they are, they're in terrible, terrible conditions. And, and uh, Aaron keeps saying that he's being, this is a test, he's being tested, um, and there's this idea of godless, godlessness, right? Uh, the, the word godless is mentioned, like you're, you're, that the God, you've forsaken the gods and, and all of this. And then I hear a lot of our listeners have sent in theories and thoughts and ideas that Euron wants to be almost a god or worshipped as a god is that something you've heard, like like an idea that you've heard or well that's what he actually tells his brother he's like worship me um yeah. you know i will be your god uh it, it he's basically putting it out there right then and there and with him collecting the priests and sacrificing them he's almost like casting down the gods which is something that people in the fandom a lot of the times they um uh lichen Euron, and i think it's a and I think it's a great parallel uh, to this bloodstone emperor from the great empire uh, from, you know, thousands of years past. Uh, the, this bloodstone emperor was said to have cast down his gods and, um, you know, did a whole lot of, you know, um, things like a torture, necromancy, took a tiger mm -hmm. woman for his bride, um, killed his sister, did just all these crazy things. Uh, but, um, and if you ever take a look at like, just Google um, Euron and Bloodstone Emperor, you're gonna just find all of this analysis that likens the two. And that's what the Bloodstone Emperor did is he actually cast down the gods. So when you see, um, Euron saying, you know, make me your God, you worship me. And he's 
uh, sacrificing these priests. And also we see in Aaron's vision, we see the gods impaled on the iron throne. Those are, that's all imagery and metaphor and symbolism toward Euron doing all of those things. And so um, he definitely has something planned and he definitely is trying to cast down the gods in, you know, several aspects. And um, it's possible that he may actually be, you know, that may actually be his end game. And uh, the Bloodstone Emperor was said to be the first high priest of the Church of Starry Wisdom. Yeah. And a lot of these, um, like, ancient kings uh, would often serve as, as, like, almost like demigods or mediators to the divine world. And so they might be like a, um, you know, uh, considered like a god king or a high priest of their religion. So Euron may actually be doing the same thing. He may be trying to, um, you know, indoctrinate and make himself more divine in that respect and become like a god king in a sense. Yeah. And now let's back, I guess, just to back up a little bit. I mean, when I, I remember when I first came, you know, Euron shows up and, you know, kills his brother, the whole thing, which we basically get him saying, you know, here in this chapter, like he's a scary dude. And he has um, a mysterious crew, mysterious artifacts, um, a horn and stuff. So it, something that comes up in this chapter is that he I mean, Aaron believes he truly did go to Valyria and he did go to these other places and learned gathered wisdom knowledge is that is that the 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 understanding or the or the takeaway is that he you know so the fact that Euron went to Valeria is debated it it mm -hmm. is debated because the it is confirmed in the ice and fire app that he did not get that dragon finder horn from Valeria he actually got it from the warlocks of Karth and that really is, okay yes yes check it out check I didn't know out. that Yep. So um, anyway, it, so that dragon biter horn, it was actually obtained from the warlocks. And Euron is not always the most honest guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's, he's not Mr. Rogers. So right. um, anyway, <laughs> with him saying that he went to Valeria and he's like, look, I have this dragon binder horn to prove it. Well, that's why the fandom debates whether or not he went to Valeria. Um, and so I, I, I'm kind of on the fence as far as whether he went there or not. I'm not 100% sure either way. Um, I don't think that it would do a lot if he was lying. So I think that it's, it's still possible that he went there. Uh, it's just one of those things that's kind of debated and yeah. up in the air and we'll probably learn a little bit more later on. Um, one of the other things when it, when we come to the, the things that he got from the, uh, the arcane things that he got now, he got those priests, right? Mm -hmm. If you notice, and this is something that the fandom has talked about a lot as well. If you notice, he mentions that he came upon four warlocks in Karth, right? Yeah. And, uh, one he, he fed to the other three, uh, is is what it says and danny also mentions there being a pirate pre going with uh, three warlocks as well um out of karth in order to go to pentos to right. try and get their revenge so there's right. four warlocks and minus one because he died now there's three however in the forsaken chapter we only see two 
So a lot of people are wondering what happened to the third warlock. Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, that's another thing that that a lot of people are talking about as, as well. Not just if he went there, um, but where's the missing warlock? <laughs> What's he doing with that one? Did somebody get away? Is that yeah. the one? Um, oh, it's it's a warlock because. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get you. Wow. Um, so I'm just wondering. Why did they? Did they? Did they? Did they eat another one, or did did somebody get away? I, nobody somebody knows. Right around. <laughs> like what? Wow. That's that's yeah. radical. I. You know, I've I've actually heard that. Um, the idea that that you're on has was in and around Karth or was near Karth, and then it was that somewhere there's a vague reference to someone being nearby when Danny is in Karth or something like that. Um, what? Is that right or is that wrong or is it? So I think that Euron mentions that um, he had um, came across four warlocks out of Karth who told a you know curious tale about the Dragon Queen. Um, and anyway, so he took all of their stuff. He talked about some green silk and all these other jewels. And of course, he got the warlocks. And according to the Essen Fire app, he also got that dragon binder horn. Um, so he got he got a lot of cool stuff from them. Um, right. So it said that they were supposed to be on their way to Pentos to try and meet her. Uh, now, they did try and hire a sorrowful man to assassinate her, and that did not right. go very well. It's yep. my belief that they might have actually been on their way to Bravos, which isn't terribly far from Pentos, mm -hmm. um, in order to hire a faceless man, a faceless man. to do yeah. the job correctly, wow. which is um, interesting because... Um, Euron uses a faceless man to um, kill his yeah. brother, and also it's believed that he it used a faceless man in order to get into the citadel as well. Well, now that is another. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. Let's just let's just dive into this and get into this. Sure. What in let's the world is going on at at the citadel there with with this this faceless man who is there? Um, is he pay? I mean, you know, like like right at the end, Marwin the Mage is is off and, and um, going to do his thing. But like someone sneaking around there trying to get access to some of the secrets or whatever. And is that tied to Euron? I mean, because I, I from it's what I know, it's, it's believed believed okay too, because he has connections to the Faceless Men, um, and we don't. And he is trying to get a dragon. Um, yeah. you know, he's kind of put that out there that he's got the dragon binder horn he wants to get the the um you know daenerys and her dragons he wants to marry her he wants dragons right right and that's what he told the iron you know that's how he said that told the ironborn that he's going to conquer the westeros is with dragons so uh it's believed that one of the things that's locked up over in the citadel is a book called the death of dragons which yep. probably has a lot of information about dragons yeah. So given that Euron has access, you know, has already had contact with and has used Faceless Men, and he has a desire for dragons and knowledge of dragons, it's likely um, not confirmed, but a lot of the fandom does believe that 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 is Euron behind that Faceless Man. Gotcha. I, and so, yeah, because now one more question, I guess, do, do a lot of people believe that that is Jack and Hagar? Uh, or well, Dick and the, um, now there, uh, one of my friends, but actually, I think it was, um, 
uh, Sarah um, Eship on Twitter, and when she, and I think that her post might have been on Westeros.org, or I'm I'm not sure where she had um, done the comparison, but she had done a comparison uh, between. Um, the man that Jockin had turned into after he and Arya went separate ways. Yeah. And like the hook nose, the, the hair, mm. you, know, every, you know, all the different physical aspects and all of the physical aspects actually match. Right. So uh, a lot of people do believe that it's, you know, the same person or the same face being utilized there. Yeah. I just, I've always thought that was really, you know, intriguing just because when you follow um his story you know on on the way to the wall and then being devi you know deviating from there interacting with Arya, and then ending up in old town the whole thing is just it's really suspicious you know like what mm -hmm. are you up to why were you with the night's watch i mean what what's the whole what why go through all of that are, or are there multiple missions are there multiple objectives along the way that you have to you know do something and then acquire it here it just seems that is such a mystery to me, and I keep wondering, you know, what is going on. And if he is connected to Euron, and Euron is outside, um, you know, as you say, obsessed with dragons, wanting to acquire some some book that's locked away, super secretive in the Citadel. Um, well, they're well. I mean, he has a key now. I mean, he's got um, the Maester's key and can can possibly get into wherever, um, you know, in 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 the Citadel. So that would be interesting, but also. He, he's also trying to, is, is he not in, in proximity, right? He's about to, the thought is maybe they're going to attack Old Town or, or is that not the, the, the idea? That's the thought that yeah. uh, they're going to be attacking Old Town. So, and I guess the other, and, I, and I'm just throwing ideas out here, uh, pure speculation. Lord Hightower is in his Hightower doing, you know, God knows what, right? I mean, what what's happening up there? Uh, I've heard ideas that there could be some major massive spell work, spell battle stuff going on, or is it just, a, is it all just some, you know, why is he still up there and what is happening there? And, and the high towers are pretty strongly connected to the, 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 the Citadel and would want to protect, I'm guessing, that institution a little bit from Euron. Oh, yeah. There's tons of theories from, you know, uh, he has agoraphob agoraphobia to, um, you know, like the mundane um, explanations to the more magical, like, because um, I think that they talked about rumors of him and, and it's his uh, daughter, Melora the Maid, yeah. and uh, who they believe, you know, rumors that she's a witch and consulting uh, books of magic. And so... Um, there's like people are just speculating or there's rumors of him summoning an army from the deep to protect them and all yeah. these other things. But that's a good mystery that nobody really quite right. knows yet. And so, um, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You can finish. Go ahead, finish. Oh, I, I was just going to mention a couple other theories. Uh, there's uh, the uh, God's Eye conspiracy theory. Um, that talks about possibly the high towers and some other um, uh, houses having some sort of connection to like the old gods and other things, but it's all very, very speculative because we're not given a lot of information and it, it's just, people are kind of throwing some spitballs out there and kind of seeing what sticks. Yeah. But so when do you when do you think that this the battle of if if Euron does go to the high tower right into the into the citadel right to to kind of wage war there, 
when do you think that might happen in in winds of winter um because we do we, we do a lot of speculation of is there anything that we see in the show that we think is going to carry over whether it's a character um we'll take uh Jorah Mor- Mormont for example in the show goes to the citadel he's healed by Sam for his grayscale well we don't think that's going to be him in the books but I do think that scene is going to happen and it's obviously more likely that it's probably john connington Mm -hmm. he has grayscale and so then he will go um and so we just we try to we try to piece some of these things and say and i think that the show probably had a rough we think had probably a rough outline that that george gave them you know a rough outline here are some of the key events and they just kind of put it together how they did given the characters they had um and so I think that one's pretty likely is that um, it is John Connington who goes to the Citadel is healed by Sam. Um, and maybe that's how Sam figures out John's parentage, if that's you know the route they go down. Um, and so, I mean, I think the Winds of Winter is going to end. It's I think it's got to end prob- with like the wall coming down or, or, you know, something big, huge, epic. I mean, we've got to get we've got to get like the White Walkers and the others in place. Um, I actually think Euron and Victorian are going to be a huge part of that because um, we, we've we've discussed theories about you know maybe the horns maybe the horn that Sam has isn't the horn of winter and maybe it's Dragonbinder and maybe the horn they think is Dragonbinder is actually the horn of winter and they're going to blow it thinking oh hey this could take over a dragon but actually it causes the wall to come down. Uh, I don't think it's likely that we see like the Night King who we don't even have yet. Um, you know, on a dragon and he, and he knocks the wall down. I think it's going to be the horn just because the horn seems to be such, it's the cover of the book. So I think it's going to be a pretty, um, uh, a pretty important piece. So like, I guess, what do you, what do you kind of, how, what do you think Euron's kind of, um, if he is, if he does go to old town and create some kind of battle, um, there, I mean, what do you, what do you kind of think his, he's, his kind of end game looks like in wins a winner or, or the, the end of the series or, or like, what do, what do you think his next like st- few steps are going to look like? So, um, first of all, I'm not sure if it's going to be Euron that attacks or if it's going to be the, because the red wine fleet is on their way to kind of like rendezvous. And mm. there's been a lot of stuff going on with the high tower fleet. And it's possible that they, you know, um, instead of, uh, kind of sitting and waiting to being attacked, it's possible that they might actually go on the offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that may happen. Um, there is this theory called the Eldritch Apocalypse. It's by Poor Quentin on Tumblr. Um, and he talks about how he may be trying, trying to use these sacrifices in order to um, summon, summon something from the deeps himself. Uh, he uses more of some Lovecraftian um, uh, ideas, such as like, you know, Krakens or even more Lovecraftian types of, you know, chaotic deities that may be under the sea. Um, It might be what the uh, drowned god religion is all about, you never know. Um, And so that's actually a very, very popular theory. And he's got a lot of um, good analysis on that. So if you ever want to take a look at that, that's possible. So that's one option that uh, Euron is trying to create an eldritch apocalypse of sorts. Um, now, it is my belief that in the Forsaken chapter, uh, we see that <clears throat> Euron in one of the visions is talking about the bleeding star. 
And it is my belief that Euron may actually believe that the Azor High prophecy is about himself. And um, so I do believe that with the sacrifice of the priest, and that's what my King's Blood video is about, that he may actually be trying to do a King's Blood sacrifice of sorts. Um, long, long time ago, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, because of course the prophecy is 5,000 years ago, what a king was back then and what a king is now are two very, very different things because we of course have the God Kings of it, the God um, Empress of Lang, the God Empress of ET, you know, the, we had the God on earth of the great empire of the dawn. Mm -hmm. We have all these um, rulers that were actually viewed as gods. So very, very different than to what they are now. Um, and so I have a belief that Melisandre may have the wrong idea on what King's blood she actually needs and what it is. I think that Euron may know exactly what he's doing and he may actually wow. be trying yeah. to um, perform that ritual and he may actually be successful in it. And what's, what's really interesting is um, Benero, when he talks about Azor Ahai, it's very, very different from the way that Melisandre talks about Azor Ahai because she's talking about like this awesome prophesied savior that's going to save the world and Venero, he's talking like um you know it, he's still talking in similar terms but uh they're very very different he's talking about everybody's gonna die and be reborn you know and all these you know it's it sounds a lot more ominous than uh what melisandre is talking about and in the forsaken chapter Euron is using some very, very similar words about how, how uh, the world is going to be reborn at the graves and charnel pits. So, um, yeah, I, I think yeah. that Euron may actually believe that the Azor Ahai prophecy is about him. And there's a lot of theories that believe that uh, the Bloodstone Emperor is another version of Azor Ahai. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, it's a little thematic as well. So you never know. Yeah, that is interesting. And um, well, it's it, there's a, the the theme with Melisandre, right? It's just that right. maybe just slightly off. It's yeah. like it's like maybe <laughs> yeah. ma like she maybe tries. close. Like it's it's yeah, it's so it's so odd because she's like you're you're she's she's close. She's in the ballpark, mm -hmm. but then if she's off by just a little, and then you bring up um, Bonero just being another example, like just this one off, uh, someone who's also a little further, like closer. I don't know, maybe closer to the source of some of that lore and legend that might be telling a, a truer version of what's going to take place. I, that is fascinating, you know, because we've seen Melisandre mess up a thing or two. I mean, I would not mess up, but you know, like it, I mean, she even says, right. Some of her in right. interpretations and visions and stuff are, are a little skewed. So that would be wild. And those priests you're saying are representing uh, that King's blood. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that is, that is awesome. That vi your, your video on that is, is fantastic. Um, so that's, yeah, I re highly recommend that to folks. Um, man. So, and I see, you know, Sir Matt's talking about the idea where, how, how far do we go? How far do we, you know, wow. If he's successful, I mean, then that's, that's, that's all of it, right? right? We have to kind of have the, the long night is, does that is is it your understanding that 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 brings the the long night that that's sort of what like this ritual or something could be a part of of that happening or what's the whole you know 
Uh, this actually may be part of that ritual that spurs on the uh, long night as well, because it said that um, uh, the Bloodstone Emperor had uh, killed his um, the Amethyst Empress, but it's also believed that um, most fans believe that this Amethyst Empress was Nissa Nissa, who Zora High also killed. So yeah. if that's the case, then that would be like his not only his sister, but also his wife. Um, which is never, you know, never happens in a song of ice and fire. Mm -hmm. Right. Incest right. <laughs> yeah. never. Um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, and what Euron actually does is very something very similar. So he takes his salt wife, Folly of Flowers, and she's also being sacrificed yeah. in the same ritual. So you have that as well. And it said that that blood betrayal is uh, what ushered in the long night. So mm -hmm. he may be recreating that as well. Uh, you huh. never know. Well, it just, so do you this, think? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Is. Well, it just is a bizarre. You don't have to respond to this one because, like, the bizarreness in this is that you we've been hearing about like a Zora High and who this could be, and it's it, and if it turns out that Euron's even somewhat close to to filling, you know, that role or whatever, you're thinking, I don't like Azora High anymore. You know, like I mean, <laughs> let the others come. I mean, they're just smiling, laughing, trying to. Do what I, I mean? Are they that bad? You know, this this guy's tying people to his ship. I just that uh, it's it's unnerving. So I don't know. Well, I, I have a video about that too. All right, see, okay. I've got to watch. Like, oh, I no, gotta see the rest. Uh, of it's the Azor High prophecy video. It's um, it is uh, it's my latest video actually, which is actually a few months old. I don't do a lot of, you know, I'm kind of slow on the videos, but it's my latest video. And I talk about um, who Azora High and what the Azora High prophecy is um, referring to. And it is my belief that um, Azora High does not encompass just one individual, but three. So, okay. Um, that must be the latter half of because I watched the first, uh, it's a 35 minute. I watched the first, uh, probably 15 minutes of that. I got it. That's, that's the one I was just well, I watching. Spoiled it for you. No, that's no, okay. Sorry. That, yeah. No, that's, that's fine. Cause I was like, um, cause I was telling Sir Matt beforehand, I was like, there's like, that was, as I was watching that, I was like, wow. I mean, like where you were building towards was, was something I hadn't really heard or, or thought uh, much about. And mm -hmm. I thought it was, very original and, and interesting. So, no, I mean, I got, I got to see it in full. I got to have all the quotes and all of your because you you do a great job of laying out sort of you know um, you're referencing different parts of the series and building us to to that point. So that's that's cool. That's great. Yeah, that's your most recent one. I mean, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So I guess, well, the question I was going to ask, I guess, is um, so do you think that because we've been some of the ideas we've been leaning towards in in trying to one assume that this is going to be two books that's ultimately where we're going to finish but that may not be the case i i i think i think we're more along the lines of it's going to have to be at least three books uh to to to, to finish to finish this series um because right now it's like well i mean you only got if you only have two books left you really kind of need to get this final villain uh going here and you know in the show you know we have the night king who is like you know he's the fig the 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 bad kind of villain who at least encompasses he's the leader of the others. We haven't had that yet. So one of the things we've talked about is Euron is might actually serve as their kind of de facto leader through some sort of, you know, sorcery or anything, um, you know, just is that he may actually be the one who can actually control them or something like that. Um, and so then he's going to be that 
serve as that kind of final villain um, unless they do go with the then it's Cersei at the end. Um, I think that might be fl- I think that might be flipped around just because of young Griff's story arc. I think he may come in and kind of finish some of that stuff out uh, down there and then it'll be in opposite order. Um, so, I mean, do you think what I mean, do you think Euron might end, kind of serve maybe as that as that fine as the final villain? I, do. I bet it's in her I video. Do. I bet no, it's I, I, I don't, but um, I actually <laughs> promised a follow up video that I haven't even written yet, and oh, I, okay. I got off on a tangent, yeah. you know, and started <laughs> writing about some maze makers. But um, I, I do have some thoughts about that. But I, uh, but um, specifically with Euron, I think that that is exactly what is going to happen. Um, now, uh, Generally, you know, like these uh, larger books, they have almost like a three act um, kind of a format um, that doesn't always happen, but uh, it, it's pretty common in um, in large, you know, volume series or whatever, where you have like this initial villain, this act one villain, and you have your second villain, which is like your act two, and then you're, you know, it's like your final boss is your act three villain, and and each villain gets a little bit worse. So you have Joffrey. Okay, your act two villain is probably Ramsey. And then your act three in the show is the Night King. Um, however, we don't have that yet. Um, but we do know that one of the huge plot points is that the Night King like steals a dragon, right? But with Euron, we have this um, character who's also a very, very evil character. And he does appear to be our act three villain. And he also wants to steal a dragon. And I think he's probably going to be, I think he's going to do it. So he, I believe, is um, the Act 3 villain in that respect. Now, um, in the show, they do have with, you know, this like final showdown with Cersei, but she's not really the big bad. This is kind of like the uh, scouring of the Shire uh, type of thing that George R. R. Martin has referred to in his Sospate Martin yeah. um, before. So it's it's going to be like that, where it's just kind of like the side quest that they have to kind of uh, fulfill. But so I do believe that Euron is your act three big bad. And in uh, a lot of the forums, theories and everything like that, it's believed that the Night King is actually another variation of the Azor High Monomyth. <laughs> So, um, so right. you're going to have that as well. So, so it, it would be thematic in a lot of uh, different ways. And, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy is taking a look at those myths and legends and taking a look at how they may interact with each other and how that story m- may be, um, be told through the author. So I, there's, there's a lot of hints that there, the Night King may be part of that um, larger monomyth of this uh, hero slash anti-hero that um, hmm. we, we hear so much about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of the things, cause we do, again, we, we, we compare the show to the books and, you know, is it going to be similar a lot? And I mean, he's a character who the show clearly, they had no idea what to do with. Uh, I mean, they're just exactly. like, oh, I, yeah. I was like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. they build him up, and then he's like, oh, I just killed Jamie Lannister. Well, you really didn't, and then you just kind of yeah. die. And it's like they just yeah. they didn't they just didn't know they didn't know what they just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, I call him a corny pirate, um, right, and yeah. <laughs> and I I hate it because um, the actor and I forget the actor's name. Do you guys remember his name? It's like P. Hello. I, I don't know. Hello. Top, I don't know. Well, top of my he head, he really like he really like you know hyped up the character and he was like this guy's ten times worse than Ramsey, but 
but the, the show writers did him dirty. Okay, yeah. the show writers really did him dirty because Euron is ten times worse than Ramsay, um, and right. you know he had the potential to do that. But uh, anyway, yeah, it, yeah. it is what it is. I first of all, so I've never heard somebody put it so simply. I guess that you have these acts uh, in this series, right? And these villains, you know, um, Joffrey, and then and then Ramsay, and then Euron. And if you look at level of intensity and in what they do, and and even just as they age and stuff, like a whole, all the little different, like it, it's that is pretty pretty crazy. Because after reading this chapter, I went, "That is the baddest dude I have ever come." Like he is a straight evil dude, mm -hmm. and there's some pretty crazy stuff going down. He's doing this to his brother. There's the whole thing with, uh, you know, kinslaying going on, and that's something he doesn't even. I mean, the gods didn't they didn't do anything to him you know i mean he's he's already he's killed four uh, brothers you know spoilers yeah, right? <laughs> sorry yeah. yes and it's like man so and he's like what what, what are the gods going to do to me not diddly squat they're not going to do anything and so you're like wow this guy has no no fear i mean he is he's going to do whatever i guess one other thing i want i want to kind of um talk about you, you mentioned so matt was talking about the horns what is the i mean he gets he acquires this this horn we see what it does to people and the people who blow it. Like, how does how does someone use that horn? I mean, like, Victorians right now telling somebody they're going to die. I mean, when you blow this horn, it, it you're you're going to be roasted from the inside out. I mean, so like, I guess, what are your thoughts on the horns and how they how they're used and their function? I guess. Okay, so so this is how Euron prefaces that he gets three dudes. He gets three dudes and he tells them. Well, you know, the last guy died, but, um, you know, he, he blew it. I think that he did blow, blow it like three times. So you're, what, what's going to happen is you're going to blow it once, you're going to blow it once, and you're going to blow it once. And maybe you'll die, maybe you won't. Mm. Um, that's his strategy. You're on it, or not, you're on. Uh, Victorian is not the smartest guy. He's not the sharpest, you know, tool <laughs> yeah. in the shed. Uh, but that's his strategy. That's his plan. Uh, he was also told that in order to um, claim the horn, you have to claim it with your blood. And so he takes like the most sim simplistic, you know, approach to that. And he like gets some of his own blood and kind of rubs it on the horn. And that's, I think, in a Winds of Winter sample chapter that he, he yeah. does that. Uh, but he's told that, you know, like uh, he uh, takes the horn to Makoro and he asks some questions about it and Makoro tells him that the the glyphs on it are Valyrian. It says that um, I am Dragonbinder and um, no living man who blows me or uh, is able, able to sound me and live is basically what it says. So, so there's a couple uh, loopholes that the fandom has possibly taken, you know, from the context of what the inscription on Dragonbinder actually says. So, uh, you know, in uh, the Lord of the Rings, when there, when um, uh, the, the uh, character is, you know, no man will, uh, you know, will ever de defeat me, and yeah. uh, then we have the the woman um, yeah. saying, "Well, anyway, I am yeah. no man," and then she yeah, right. So it's like yeah. a loophole, and so people think, "Well, maybe it's going to be Daenerys who is able to do this, or maybe another woman." Um, but it also says, "No living man," mm -hmm. and that yeah. is another option because we do have kind of like whites 
that are, you know, people who have um, experienced resurrections right. within the series. Um, Beric Dondarrion, uh, Catelyn, um, Jon Snow John, pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, there's, yeah. there's those. And um, believe it or not, there's a theory that Victorian has also experienced a resurrection. That's, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh, is it what, is it just that like, now, is it just, just Victorian or is it, is it any of the other Ironborn who have been? So, okay. So, so what you're referring to is actually the Ironborn ritual of giving oneself to the drowned God. And it's very similar, um, in the most like simplistic aspect is like almost like a baptism. And if you give yourself fully to the drowned God, you actually drown and have to be resuscitated. Yeah. Now, right. what I'm talking about is actually his firearm. Oh. So, Victorian sustains a very, very horrible wound um, when he is on his trip to um, to Marine. He uh, he takes that actually like right at the beginning of, of of his journeys, and it becomes infected, and it's causing him pain and. Um, anyway, Makoro says that I see your fate and, you know, you have to act now or else you're going to die. And he points to his arm. And so Victorian, he's, he's tired of dealing with it. He knows that it's a problem. Um, it's, you know, more, becoming more and more infected. It's very, very painful to him. And it's, it is like gross and disgusting. It stinks. Um, and he's, you know, of the belief that he's either going to die or lose his arm eventually because it yeah. still hadn't healed. It's, a, it's an unhealing wound. And so Makoro performs a ritual. Right. And this ritual is like very arcane. Like there, there was all, all these monkeys that wouldn't get off the ship. And they were always like giving Victorian, you know, all kinds of grief because mm-hmm. there were all kinds of monkey business. So yeah when that ritual happens like all the monkeys start screaming and they they leave and there's all these shadows and all this like ululating um stuff and victorian comes out and he now has this like crispy arm that is able to do some really crazy um kind of almost like superhuman type of of things um anyway uh so people call it his firearm but in that chapter, his point of view changes. And I don't know if you have, have read about it or heard about that. Uh, um, no, please tell shift. me more. <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually in that chapter, there's um, all of the, the, the uh, people who have chapters. It's all kind of like first person sure. in, in a sense. And it's all from that character's point of view. So they're, they're POV chapters, they're point of view chapters. And so it's it's all taken from that character, um, and it's believed by some in the fandom that after you die, you're not able to have a POV. Um, it's like like Lady Stoneheart doesn't have a POV right. and stuff like that. So what's interesting is that the tone and the point of view actually changes after that ceremony, and instead of it coming from Victorian's point of view, it's now coming from the point of view of those viewing him around him. And wow. so there's actually a theory that he actually died during that ritual and was resurrected. Was resurrected. Wow. And so it's 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 a cool theory. Like if you read that's, it, you're like, really oh, cool. that, that that may be something. And what's even more interesting, it says no living man. 
So it's possible that even though Victorian wants to be the last person in the world (laughs) to sound that horn, he may actually be the only one that's able to do it now. Yeah. So I have not heard that. That was that. Read it. It's really cool. Fantastic. Because I I remember reading that and it's just bizarre, you know, and I I had flashbacks to, to, you know, some other blood magic possible stuff shadows dancing around and weird things happening you mm-hmm. go oh here we go the sorcery stuff again but a lot of time what we've learned about blood magic or even just some of the magic systems that go on in this in this world is that is that only only life can pay for you know, or like you know that this this exchange right. of life energy for for whatever else and if you're dying i mean or did something go wrong and then he really just was brought back like holy holy crap they're gonna kill me i mean the red priest walks out and like uh, if i don't do something uh or, yeah, I mean that's just I gotta go look at that. That that yeah, would be do it. Check that it out. Would be fantastic. It's fun. Because I, so I, I mean, do you think Jon Snow will not won't have uh, POV? Oh, POV. Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. I think he. Yeah. I think he will. It's it's one of those things that the fandom kind of I think um, puts maybe too much credence in, but um, there there is definitely a shift. Yeah. In that Victorian chapter that you don't see in anybody else's chapters. And right. it, it's theme, like he's very consistent with his POVs and, and, and everything except that Victorian chapter right after, huh. um, right after that. So, well, and I've heard like oh. with the, the, you know, yeah, like the Jon Snow thing, I've heard that ghost might be a special factor in all of that. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why we might mm-hmm. continue on with a, you know, a John point of view, you know, the whole exactly uh, transferring consciousness right. or whatever it might be and warging into him and then yeah, yeah or, or 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 you know something like mm-hmm. that so that is fascinating that is of all the things i've like i i love everything i mean first of all i'm super stoked that you're here because i've learned so much uh today but of all the things i am i'm definitely gonna go back and and reread <laughs> that because i i don't re- i don't recall ever hearing about that or even even um realizing that 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 took place because yeah, I've I've always been I've wondered. I'm like, man, what are you gonna do with this um, with this horn? You know, I mean, how are you actually gonna use it? How are you gonna, you know, the whole the whole nine yards? So, wow. Okay, um, I feel like we could go all day long, and I, we could talk to you for hours and hours. <laughs> well, and hours. I told you I could talk for hours, but as long as it's in fire, I, I, I didn't say that, but uh, but I know. <laughs> no, I love it, and and I honestly want to, and uh, I just kind of like like I think. Um, You've given me too much though, where I have I have to go like now I have Research. to go watch some so, so, some of the videos and then I'm, I'm over here like uh, as as you're talking I'm making like notes and stuff like all right go go look that up uh, shade of the evening let's go look into that a little bit more I I've tried to explain to friends um, they don't quite grasp how complex how thick uh, how very very interesting and detailed this series is like George is is a masterful writer he is really really good and he's just weaving all this together and i i love it and that's why i think it's so cool for us to keep kind of speculating about winds of winter and where it's going what could happen uh go back and try to find new connections you you know it i don't know there's not many series that you can really do that and so it's just like it's i think it's fantastic so yeah all right well um let's just in recap real quick um we talked about Euron. I want to get some of our listeners' thoughts. Send us in, uh, you know, thoughts on on this. Send us a raven. We'll follow up, and hopefully, maybe if Amanda will allow us at some point, we can we can bring her back for a part two because 
That was fantastic. I don't know if she'd be down mm-hmm. for that. She's probably sitting here going like, all right, bunch uh, of bunch of hedge knights here who who I have to come yeah, in here. And guys, uh, it's like it's like class, you know. She's like, sit down, get your notepads out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, I I actually had my stuff on mute because like my entire like clan just decided to come upstairs, including like my my dogs and my, my oh, no. uh, <laughs> husband and kids and everybody. And I'm oh, that's great over here, all muted. But, oh, um, no, that's that's. But that's I'd love okay. to come back. I you know I really had a really good time, and um, like I said, I could definitely talk for about a song of ice and fire um for hours and uh i i just love the opportunity to do that so awesome. yeah absolutely okay. all right well all right well hey one one quick one quick final question here um Hello. do you at all think do you think winds of winter is coming out in the relative future <laughs> and <laughs> do you think he can finish the series in two books um, so I believe that uh, George can do anything that he wants. Um, you know, anything he if he wants to do that, that's great. Um, I, I it's my hope that it happens. Um, that's all I can say. And um, and you know, I'm just going to keep on looking forward to it. And in the meantime, I'll just keep on analyzing a Song of Ice and Fire yes. because um, okay. I can still get a 20 page essay about the um, you know really obscure uh extinguished races of the the maze makers and all kinds of stuff so you know i i can definitely tide my uh bide my time for yeah quite a while. i awesome. bet you can yeah yeah absolutely that's cool that's cool we're, we're we're in the same boat we're hoping um yeah I, I always say let george do his thing let george write he knows what he's doing and it's going to be a masterpiece when it comes out and i'm super excited for it so um we will do this amanda we're going to put um links to all your stuff down in our description and we're going to share it on our social media and we're going to have folks you know uh go check out uh you know check you out on twitter uh check out the disputed lands check out your youtube channel there's some some epic videos there i say start from the beginning because i made the mistake of of kind of starting uh, most recent and working my way back you got to go back to the beginning and work through and get this train of thought because it's it's uh fascinating so so yeah we will do that thank you and thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it yeah absolutely absolutely so all right guys well with that we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 38 aria 8 of a clash of kings absolutely um if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming